make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people. No, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Welcome to Conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, never been banned from Facebook or YouTube, never been sabotaged or censored for politely expressing a difference of opinion, ex-Muslim host Ina, keeping it non-controversial. Why is it important to distinguish between liberal critics of Islam and right-wing critics of Islam? Why do I insist on creating distinctions? It's so divisive. Why can't I sit back and just enjoy a jihad watch-like tabloid, paranoid, immigrant-slash-Muslim-demonizing version of Islam criticism? Why don't I just ally with Gad Saad and Dave Rubin, who promote far-right lunatics who believe in white genocide like Paul Joseph Watson of InfoWars or talk about deporting Muslims like Tommy Robinson of Pegida. Why, like Gad, can't I learn to appreciate Geert Wilders, who talks about Moroccan scum destroying his country? I mean, if I just let this pettiness go, I too could benefit from an overlap in audience with prominent conspiracy theorists like Alex Jones, who just happens to be a complete nutjob, 9-11 truther, Sandy Hook was a hoax type of guy. Oh, such an ideological purist, Ina. You don't want real-world criticism of Islam. You just want a birthday party of you and your precious little pre-approved libtard friends. Mmm, yeah, not quite for the birthday party-like atmosphere, though. As morally opposed as I am to far-right and even just general right-wing politics, I am a liberal feminist immigrant of Muslim background myself. But there's a strategic element to my objections, too. As far as liberal critics of Islam go, we've collectively spent a lot of time trying to convince the mainstream Western left, which controls much of popular culture, popular media, credible media, which generally is hypersensitive and protective of Islam. Since the Western right is hypercritical of and tends to generalize Muslims, we've spent all that time trying to tell the left that criticism of Islam isn't equivalent to bigotry against Muslims. Why on earth would we shoot our own credibility on that in the fucking foot by allying with anti-immigrants, anti-Muslims, white genociders, and their supporters? Why would I want to give a gift like that to the C.J. Whirlmans out there waiting to discredit every single critic of Islam? Why not show him and apologists for the religion like him that it is indeed possible to oppose bigotry on all sides. It is indeed possible to be vocally compassionate about Muslims facing persecution whilst also vocally opposing problematic parts of the ideology. If we truly want to get to the point where people are as comfortable criticizing problematic elements of Islam as they are Christianity, we have to earn a level of trust in the conversation from the left which currently, with the muddied waters between those who have liberal criticisms of Islam and those who have xenophobic ones, we certainly are nowhere near. And under Trump, all of this gets 10 times more complicated. 
With people like Asra Namani proving pretty much every critic of Islamic reformists right in this case, by being the epitome of a one-sided, hypocritical Trumpian apologist, we're just going to keep going in circles. I try to create clear distinctions because I want not to be associated with anyone who has dubious methods and motives for criticizing Islam. Not only because this atmosphere of xenophobia affects me and my family personally, not only because bigotry is plain wrong, whether it's coming from Muslims or generally directed at Muslims, but because strategically, it's also self-defeating. It's the least effective path in the long term for wanting to be heard. Sure, sure, sure. It's a quick way to rack up Patreon dollars. The far right has deep pockets for anyone, helping them sanitize, rationalize, and intellectualize their bigotry. It's a quick way to double your social media following with all the wrong types of people. But it has the opposite effect if you actually want to create change on how Islam is discussed in the mainstream. Demonstrating that you are indeed coming from a place of humanism is so key to the potency of your critique. And in a time where Muslims are being singled out and generalized, it's super important to couple your criticism of Islam with criticism of anti-Muslim bigotry. You want to shift the Islamic apologetic trend of popular culture? then you're going to have to step back from people who are actually ensuring the opposite by unfairly victimizing Muslims. That's what creates the special status, special glorification, special protection around Islam. So it boggles my mind when smart people refuse to rock the boat or acknowledge just how harmful the Gad, Rubin, anti-regressive, far-right sanitizing phenomenon is to the credibility of Islam critics as a whole. Under Trump, like never before, Islam critics run the risk, in my opinion, of becoming irrelevant and even more resisted by the mainstream left. And in a time where we're perpetually trapped in a cycle of the Islamic far-right empowering the Western far-right and the Western far-right in turn empowering the Islamic far-right, we have to do something to break the cycle, not just become a part of it. The empowerment of the Western far-right makes the Western left even more reluctant and hesitant to touch the subject of Islam in an even slightly critical way. The only way to get through to them is measured, careful, well-thought-out liberal critiques of Islam. Either that, or the reasonable liberal voices get drowned out as more and more join the right in its sledgehammer criticism. And on that path, the cycle continues. I mean, it's gotten so messy and icky, I'm sometimes tempted to just stop discussing the subject of Islam altogether in this climate. Because there's so many awful people piggybacking on anything ex-Muslims say. But then I remind myself that now more than ever, we need balanced criticism to bridge the gap between reactionary apologetics and denial and reactionary demonization of Muslims. We have to carve an alternate path, acknowledging the problems with compassion and acknowledging the diversity and humanity of Muslims. We have to reject bigotry consistently on all sides. Why are there so few people doing this? Why is it the camp who opposes Linda Sarsour's sanitizing of Islamic far-right 
can see no wrong with Asra Namani's or Dave Rubin's comparable sanitization, promotion, apologetics, and praise of the Western far right. And if you're about to utter, but, 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 Islamism is way worse, ISIS beheads people. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm not saying that the Islamic and Western far right are equally awful. But being better than a bunch of jihadis and ISIS, though, isn't something I'd give anyone a gold star for. So no, I'm not equating the two. But in their own individual context, they are essentially sanitizing their versions of the worst of the worst. Trump seems to have set us back in North America a couple of decades in a matter of months. If contributing to that isn't literally regressive, then I don't know what is. Take note, hardcore anti-regressives. This isn't about being PC. This is about getting the message across effectively, not taking the path of least resistance, which is ultimately just joining or propping up an angry, frothing at the mouth, far right on either end. The Linda Sarsour approach is bad. The Asra Namani approach is bad. The Dave Rubin approach is bad. The Reza Aslan approach is bad. You've got to understand both sides of this are bad and take us further away from the truth. Steer us headfirst into bad ideas. We can't oppose bad ideas only on the side we don't like. Bad ideas should be opposed apolitically. I'm pretty firmly on the left, but you won't see me defending the left's denial around Islam. You won't see me defending favorites like Reza or Sarsour. So we've got to stop seeing Islam critical as a status that gives someone a pass from the most obvious criticisms. That's just tribalism otherwise. I interviewed someone like Robert Spencer to demonstrate exactly the difference between a liberal criticism and one coming from a place of fear and paranoia. I think he did most of my work for me there, laid it all out pretty clearly. If you couldn't sense what the distinction is or why it's needed from that conversation, then nothing I say will help. We just differ greatly on strategy. What really gets me though is the double standard of criticizing the left for joining hands with bad actors on the Islamic right, which I was happy to do, but while doing the same with bad actors on the Western right. And often it is those that are most critical of the left doing this that are okay doing this themselves. Anyhow, that's my two cents. I felt it was time for me to put it on record and clarify exactly why distinctions and distance is becoming increasingly important. Because more and more people ask me why or just don't get my need to call this stuff out. But I mean, seriously, Dave Rubin on Alex fucking Jones show is why. I don't want Islam critics to be laughed out of the room. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at nice mangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal. 
nicemangos.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no E in mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. A special thanks to Dylan Beck for theme music, sound, and production help. 